right, so my goal is to get through four verses today. That is my goal. We will uh, attempt that. But it's not a guarantee. <laughs> so let's open in prayer and then uh, we'll get into it. Lord, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for uh, everything it shows us. And Lord, we are so grateful uh, that we are among the redeemed, among the justified. And Lord, uh, we are encouraged in that. In your name, amen. All right, so last week we covered a lot of ground in one verse. Uh, if you remember, I was telling Dean as I was looking at this that I'm not sure how anyone could spend an entire lesson on one verse. Uh, and I almost uh, did one verse again today, but um, I figured that would be slowing our class down a little too much, so... Hopefully we'll get through verse 2 uh, and into 3 and 4 and 5. So anyways, just a little recap on chapter uh, 5 verse 1. Uh, this, there is a, a set of uh, benefits that the justified believer, the, the person that is justified by faith has... And the one that we talked about yesterday, that or last week, that was so uh, prevalent and so amazing was we have peace with God. Okay, We have peace. So because we have been justified by faith, we have peace. And that peace is uh, without understanding. I mean, we cannot even comprehend the peace that we have uh, with God through our Lord and Jesus Christ, okay? And so that's what we covered last week, and this week we're going to start in verse number two uh, and, and see what the next um, gift or the next benefit we have uh, within justification, okay? And being justified says here in verse number two, through whom, and we know the through whom is who? Who is that referring to? Jesus, right? Just goes right back up. This is going to, the, the way Paul writes this section, especially in these five verses, is all-inclusive and it, it ties everything back. So catching all of these words and making sure that we're grabbing them and filling them back in together is very important. So we have hope in God through Jesus Christ, through whom, Jesus Christ, whom, also, we have obtained our what? Introduction. Your Bible might say um, another word there. Does somebody have a different word that their Bible uses? Okay. The word introduction. Okay. So the, the, the thought there, some Bibles uh, translate the word access. Okay. Uh, and in other translations, which is a very good um, translation. All right, uh, introduction's fine, but the the access we are granted access. So the, one of the benefits 
of being justified, one of the benefits of becoming a believer, uh, being saved, is we have uh, an introduction uh, into the grace in which we now stand, okay? Uh, By faith into the grace in which we now stand. So the thought process, we're going to spend a little bit of time here um, really thinking about why this is a big deal, uh, just as we did with peace. We have peace with God. Before we had peace with God, we were what? Enemies of God, right? We were, uh, we were apart. We were not uh, on the same page. And so now, uh, because we're justified, we have peace with Him. Big deal. Um, you know, and understanding that, and then you look at the next verse, and it talks about we are in. We have an introduction by faith into the grace in which we now stand. Okay, so the idea here is just as big of an idea of the having peace with God is we uh, are have an access to God. Okay, and so we're going to talk about kind of like we did last week, what the Old Testament showed us, and and so on, and and how the Jews uh, lived because those were God's people in the Old Testament. How did the Jews have access to God in the Old Testament? So, do we have anyone that wants to guess on uh, that first point? How did we have access? Uh, Roy, can you give me one of those papers? No, I need one for Amy. Yeah. Roy's not doing his job. (laughs) Okay. So, through the what did we have access to God in the Old Testament? Through who? The high priest, okay? So, we had access to God... Only really through the high priest uh, at that time, and in the what? No, the tabernacle. Okay, in the tabernacle. Okay, and where at in the tabernacle? In the Holy of Holies. That's where God lived, right? And so all through the Old Testament, we see the Ark of the Covenant is where God was. Uh, we see Moses up on the mount, right? And if anyone even stepped foot on the mount uh, to where God or was meeting with Moses, they were to be what? Immediately put to death, okay? Um, and so uh, what happened if you touched the Ark of the Covenant? If you were not a priest, you would die, right? This is the access that you had to God, okay? There wasn't much. (laughs) Uh, Now, God richly blessed the Israelites, and God did uh, speak with them through the law and through the prophets and so on, but they did not have a access to God like you and I have today. Big, big deal. All right, uh, so they they had to go through the high priest, and we see that all through the Old Testament, and we see it even in the New Testament. Right, we see all of the things that the high priest had to do. The high priest didn't have free access either. Right, it was only in certain times, uh, and he had to be super cleansed and go through all the rituals. 
and they had to have the temple set up. It wasn't like you could, like people want to, um, we'll just say Roy uh, was out hunting here recently, and he would be able to have fellowship with God out while he's hunting. That's a true statement. In Bible times, that would not be the case, all right? You had to have um, the tabernacle. And this is not that you could not have a relationship with God in the Old Testament, but it's not the same as we have today, right? All right, the Holy Spirit lived within humanity in the Old Testament, but only certain people, and it only was for certain periods of time, all right? It wasn't given out, and we'll get into that later, okay? But the access to God was very, very limited in the Old Testament. And so when Paul, this would mean a lot to the Jews that were uh, reading this. Uh, and as the Gentiles began to understand uh, what Paul was uh, teaching, this would become a big deal to them. Understanding that God's access in the Old Testament and previous was very limited in nature. Okay? How do we have access to God in the New Testament? Your first point there would be what? Okay, through faith, but what uh, kind of following the same idea here, what, what person do we gain access through Christ, right? Through Christ Jesus, we gain access to God. And the second point there, I just put in the gospel. The gospel is how we get that access to him. All right, and, 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 a, and a key verse that illustrates this, if someone wants to go to Matthew 27, Matthew chapter number 27 and verse 50 and 51. This is a great verse that illustrates the point that we no longer need the temple and the holy of holies to communicate with God because of his death, Christ's death. So if someone has it, go ahead and read it. Matthew 27, 50 and 51. Okay, so the veil, which was a massive veil, and if you've done some research uh, in the temple and so on, the veil was a, it was a sheet, okay, but it was as likened unto a wall. It was not just a uh, shower curtain, if you would, all right? That wasn't what was separating the holy place from the holy of holies, they estimate to, to tear that uh, veil in two, you would have to have two uh, tractors, the, the ones that have like six wheels on both, or you know, three, the massive tractors that you see in like Oklahoma and so on uh, out there in the fields. It would take two of those tractors tied to it to rip it in half, all right? So this, this was not just a little sheet hanging from the, the wall to separate the two. This was a massive uh, curtain and God tore it from top to bottom signifying that we have access to God into the Holy of Holies now because of Christ's death on the cross. And so when we start to look at how um, unbelievable this is, it, it completely uh, should revolutionize how we think of 
our relationship with Christ. The God that we have peace with, that we deserve for him to judge us and to wipe us off of the earth, we have peace with now. And that same God we have full access to. Full access. You guys don't have to come and talk with Tyler, Jeremy, and I and say, hey, can you guys uh, talk with God for me? There's... You would uh, be talked to in a different uh, way by the three of us if that was what you came and asked, all right? Um, You no longer have to have someone else's authority to come before Christ. You can meet with him up in the mountains while you're hunting. Um, and you can meet with him in your car. You can meet with him in your prayer closet. You can meet with him uh, at, at, at your workplace. Uh, there's so many, there's unlimited access to God as a believer. Uh, now, that doesn't take the place of church. I'm not, I don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. That some people say, well, my God, you know, my church is up in the mountains, you know, and so on and so forth. That's not what at all what we're talking about. We're talking about a personal relationship between you and, and God through Jesus Christ is now given to us because of justification, a free access to a holy perfect God, which would not be available outside of what Christ finished work on the cross for us, right? Moses was not even allowed to see God. He was, the hand was put in front of him because if he were to see God's holiness, he would die. And we have free access to him, uh, given to us through the word of God and to be able to pray to him and, and see him work in our lives. Uh, so, any thoughts or comments on that section? Um, uh, just a few verses, a few words there. Mm-hmm. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, so, you're saying that they won't measure up when the rapture comes? They don't understand salvation, Right? Yeah, this would be a great passage. Because, therefore, having been justified by faith, okay, so that's where you would stop with them and make sure that they understand. Do you understand what being justified by faith is? And if they say no, then you just back up in Romans, right? And you go through chapter 3, okay? So we go through chapter 3, and we talk about chapter 3, verses 21, really through the end of the chapter, but 21 through 26 really talks about justification by faith. So nail down that. And if they say, well, yes, I believe that I am justified by faith, then you would continue in the verse. We have peace with God. That means we are fully at peace with God who had formerly had wrath upon us. So yes, we have nothing, if we are justified by faith alone, we have nothing to fear when it comes to the wrath of God uh, uh, as far as the end end of uh, humanity through the rapture and so on. We are at perfect peace and have access with him. And we actually, as we go today, this lesson will also help answer that is as we get into hope. Okay, We have hope. And we'll, we'll talk about that here in a minute. But yes, this section, uh, Paul in, is, um, his main 
job or his main thrust in this section is to nail down what justification by faith means for you as the believer. And one of those is that we have everlasting peace or a continual peace. So God knows when he justifies us that we will still continue to sin. Um, but, sorry, mute everything here. Um, that we will ju- uh, that we are going to continue to sin, but we, because of the covering of the blood of Christ and justification, we are now forgiven for past, present, and future sins. And so, when we stand before an Almighty God, we do not need to stand there wondering, "Am I going to make it in?" Because it's not on our merits. And if you back up to chapter 4, it talks about that. Abraham uh, was not justified by works that he did. Okay? He was justified by faith in God. And that faith was given to him by God. So if someone is fearful of judgment day before God, there's two things. Either they don't understand Scripture, or they're not saved and they rightfully should be terrified. Okay, those are the two options they have. And if they're misunderstanding what Scripture says, you can go and say, hey, we can't work for our salvation. There's nothing that you and I can do to obtain favor with God. Just read down through Romans 3 and verse 10. It says, there, uh, there is none righteous, no, not one. That would inclusive everyone is not righteous. And so if we all stood, everyone in this room stood before God, Right now, without being justified, we'd all be damned, right? But because of his justification, because of his grace towards us, we are now can stand before a holy God and have access to a holy God and have peace with him. And it's all his work, okay? So that's how, that's how you would uh, combat anyone that is fearful. And we live in a state of people that are always wondering, and we're going to get into that here in a minute when we start talking about hope, okay? But we have access. Any other comments or thoughts or uh, something that's popped up into your mind about this, this idea that we not only have peace with him, uh, but we have access to him. We have access to God, unlike they did in the Old Testament. Any other thoughts or comments there? No barriers. We have complete access. Not to just a God, but to the holy, one and only creator God of the entire universe. Uh, If that doesn't give you a mind-blowing experience, I don't know what can. We have peace with him, and he's granted us access. We have full access, all right? Uh, by the faith in now which we stand. This idea of the grace in which we stand is that idea of standing firm, standing a, um, without fear or reservation. Okay, uh, Grace in which we stand salvation. It is a permanent situation. All right? that, that's your blank there. It is permanent. Okay? It is not something that uh, the, the access to God isn't something that's going to be given to you and then taken away. Okay, it is permanent. It is secure. We know 
don't have to worry about our access to him or our position in him. It is secure, is the next one there. It is enjoyed by because of God's grace. We can enjoy our access to him, our running to him as our father, as our hope, as our guide, as our, as our uh, a companion, a friend. All of those uh, statements that can be said about God is ours because of his grace. We don't deserve it. God has freely given us that access because of his grace. All right, Jude 1, 24 and 25 Someone want to grab Jude 1, 24 and 25? And then another person, John 10, 28 and 29. If you have Jude, go ahead and read it. Jude 1, 24 and 25. Mm-hmm. So who is the only one that can make us stand before God? Jesus Christ. We are able to stand before him. Okay, this is the, the idea that Paul is given here. John 10, 28 and 29. Okay, so the idea is that we stand, we are secure when God, when Paul says we stand in the grace uh, that is given to us, the idea is that when we are saved, we stand firm in the, the idea that God or Jesus, we are placed in the palm of his hand. And it not only says that, but the Father puts his hand over. And we are, we are without fear. We cannot lose. There are, uh, there are beliefs out there that we can lose our salvation, Right? That totally goes contrary to what John was teaching and what Paul is teaching, that we are securely bound in our uh, faith through justification, uh, in, in, our, uh, in, in our introduction, in our access to God. Okay? John 10, 28 and 29. Okay? Jude 1, 24 and 25. Jude 1, 24 and 25. Okay, now we're going to talk, we're getting to the latter part of this, and we've been going for almost a half hour, so we're, we're doing good, all right? <laughs> we ex we, and we exalt in hope of the glory of God, all right? So your third benefit... Your third, what's that? Sorry. It is enjoyed because of God's grace. Uh, secure. <laughs> you have them all backwards. Okay, so it is uh, permanent. It is secure. It is enjoyed by God's grace. Right. You have a blank there. 
that's because that's where you drew your line and didn't erase it. There is no blank there. My wife goes over my, steel, my uh, lessons to make sure that they are accurate and uh, that I did not use words that should not be there. Uh, and yeah, so there is no blank there. <laughs> it's the woman thou givest me. <laughs> All right, so uh, we exalt. What does the word exalt mean? Do we know? Okay, so I have this on, this is on the back side of your page, but the word exalt uh, literally means boast or glorify in God, okay? But we'll get to that in a minute, all right? But that's what that, uh, the word exalt means, all right? So we hope in the glory of God or we exalt we boast and glorify in the hope of the glory of God. This is referring to um, the hope and security we have as believers that we have the hope that we have in God. Now, as we look down, uh, the idea given here is in contrast to the hope that you and I have. Okay? So your first point, not a hope that is uncertain. And I have here 60 or 70% sure. How many of you were 60 or 70 or 80% sure of what was going to go on in this election? You had hope and you were 60 or 70% sure that you knew what was going to go on, right? Or you're watching a football game and you're 60 or 70% sure that the outcome is going to be this way, or you're hopeful that before it starts, these two teams are going to play, and I'm hopeful, 60 or 70% chance, that this team or that team is going to win. That is the hope that we have in our world today is an uncertainty. Okay, We are hopeful of things. So when we use the word hope in the human term, it doesn't give a lot of security, right? It doesn't give us that warm, fuzzy feeling like, yeah, okay? Wishful thinking, yes, really it is. And that's what hope is. Uh, and you can have hope based upon facts and figures, uh, but it's still hope that is 60, 70, even if it's 99% sure, you still have that 1% chance that it might not happen, right? So that's what your blank is there. The definition of hope is to want something to happen. This is your line, the long line that's under the definition of hope. To want something to happen with an expectation that it might. Okay, that's hope. That's the world's definition of hope. An expectation of something that might happen. All right? Now, hope that is certain, 100% sure. That is your next point there. Okay? Hope that is certain, 100% sure. Biblical definition of hope. Hope refers to something that is not yet present or visible, but is certain to take place. 
Okay, I'll read that again. Hope refers to something that is not yet present or visible, but is certain to take place. Okay, so when we see the word hope and referring to God in the New Testament, it is not this hope of 70 or 80% sure. It is a 100% surety of the hope of glory with God. And this is referring to here with Paul is that we have a, a hope of eternal salvation. This idea of being able to spend eternity with God after our mortal bodies are taken. This, that is the hope that is given to us through justification. We are no longer, as you were saying, wondering, well, when I die, what's going to happen? We have a assured hope in His glory that we will share in the glory of God. This is one of the benefits, the third benefit that Paul brings out here of the glory of God uh, that we are assured to um, partake in that glory. Okay? We exalt, we are excited, we boast in the fact that we will spend eternity with God. Okay? Well, we made it through verse 2. Any, any comments on verse 2? <clears throat> I did better than I thought I was going to do. Uh, the final destination. The glory of God is our final destination, which is in heaven. Okay? We can have hope in that final destination. Which... Um, should be so encouraging. All of these have uh, a point where we could stop and really talk about for a long period of time if we, if we really had the time. But we did spend an entire lesson on his peace. We spent a half lesson so far on we have access and that hope of eternity, that hope of sharing with his glory is uh, mind-blowing. That we will have an eternal um, position in uh, with Christ because of our justification. Okay? So, excellent. Any, any questions or thoughts there? Okay. Sweet. We're going to get into verses 3 and 4 and 5. Okay? This is another section that's going to take some time and some... Um, Understanding, okay? The, uh, let's read verse 3. And not only this, okay? So that it, we have to stop there and remember, Paul is tying all of this together. So what has he tied so far? He said peace. We have peace with God. We have access to God. We have hope in God. And not only those things, or not only this, but we also ex excel in our tribulations. Now, why did Paul have to go here and you know, throw in this idea that uh, we have, uh, because of justification, we, are <laughs> uh, we should have boast, all right? The idea is boast and glorify in God, but in our tribulations. Oh man, what, what, we opened up a whole can of worms here, right? 
What in the world is Paul? This, this section of exciting that we have peace and, and entered all of this. And then he talks about we're going to have tribulations. And that not only that, we should be excited about them. Okay? That, there we go. And so what is this that Paul is bringing out in these section of verses? All right? Not only this, we, uh, but we also exalt in our tribulations. Knowing, okay? So I want to pause there with the word knowing. Nope, I don't. I want to... Where am I at? That's the next one. Somehow I... All right, so we're going to talk about... Yes, that's how I want to do it. All right, so sorry. I'm getting fast in my thinking here. Tribulation is uh, plural... Okay, something we want to look at when it talks about we it talks about it in the plural. So it's not one trial that we're going to go through, but we're going to go through multiple trials. All right, James one two through four. All right, most of us probably know this one, but it's good to read it. So someone grab James one two through four. Okay, and this is a plural. Idea. We're going to have multiple trials in our life. These trials are not only going to be, they're, they're going to be physical, they're going to be emotional, they're going to be with your boss, they're going to be with your spouse, they're going to be uh, financial, uh, they're going to be health. There, there's no, there's really no limit to what the trials that a believer can go through. And so the, there is a cap on the, the, that's why it just is the generic word trials. All right. And so, um, and James uh, talks about it as well. It's talked about in several places in, in Peter as well. But in James 1, 2, and four, 2 through 4, what does that say? Okay, so the perfect there is mature. That's the idea. The idea is the various trials. The, the, the concept is uh, Joseph's coat of many colors, how it had several different colors on it. It's the concept. It had various different trials uh, and so many different ones that I'm not going to even name them all. We have lots of lists in the Bible, but when it comes to talking about the trials, it just says trials because there's so many various different ones that we go through. All right? So we are to exalt in that, all right? Um, and there's going to be several. Okay? Tribulation is certain. I'm sure that's what you came this morning to hear. All right? Tribulation is certain. We are certain to go through trials in our life. Okay? That is your next point there. John 16... 33. Someone grab John 16.33 and 2 Timothy 3.12. 2 Timothy 3.12. Grab these quickly so we can continue to go here. John 16.33. Who's got that one? Okay, go ahead. Okay, so God, or so Jesus here is explaining that he uh, to his people that you are certain to have trials 
in this world. But take heart, I have overcome the world. He gives that encouragement, but he also tells them, you're certain to have trials in this world if you uh, believe in me, all right? And then 2 Timothy 3.12. Okay, indeed, all, okay, it doesn't say only a few, it says all who desire to live godly will be persecuted or go through trials, okay? Trials, persecution is a form of a trial, all right? Sometimes God sends the believers into the trial or into the testing, into the fire, and sometimes God sends the fire into the Christian's life, all right? You understand what I'm saying there? Sometimes God sends us into it. Sometimes God sends it to us. All right? When he sends it to us, he's trying to wake us up. He's trying to say, hey, let's pay attention. We're, you're, you're my child. I'm going to wake you up. So sometimes that trial is sent so that I can see where the errors I'm going. And sometimes we're sent into the trial uh, where... Uh, we're not done anything wrong. We're just we're heading to a, a, a place in our life where we know we're going to go through hard times um, because of the situation. And God is pushing us to that direction so that we can share the light of God. All right? So both uh, are true statements as far as God will send us into trials and will send trials to us. All right? Tribulation is a part of the believer's life, okay? It's just a part of being a believer. Well, the second one is a certain. A tribulation is certain. Uh, oh, no, sorry. Yeah, certain. Let me see. See, tribulation is uh, plural, and then tribulation is certain, and then tribulation is a part of the believer's life. Okay? 1 John 3.13. 1 John 3.13. Someone grab that. And then 1 Peter 4.12-14. Who's got 1 John 3.13? Yeah, so mar marvel that, yeah, I'm just thinking it was longer. But tri tribulation is a part of the believer's life. So John here is saying, marvel not that the world hates you. We should not marvel that that happens. It is a guarantee, okay? Because they what? They hated who first? Christ. Because we're a part of Christ, they'll hate us. First Peter 4, 12 through 14. Okay, so again, it's guaranteed that the believer is going to go through that, and it says rejoice. Um, James says count it all joy. Peter says rejoice. Paul says exalt. <laughs> is he driving the 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 the, pro, the thought process home? Is that we are too? Now he doesn't just leave us there. He gets he gets us to. Why we can be, why we can have this uh, thought process, okay?
Uh, the outcome of tribulation, okay? The outcome of hard times. Knowing, okay? That is where we're going to stop first. Knowing is a very important word in what he's about to say. Knowing, uh, the, the word here, having an ex, um, ex, uh, eternal perspective, okay? That is the, the word knowing. That is what it's trying to make sure that we understand. We need to have an ex, a eternal or a biblical perspective on our trials, Without having that biblical or uh, eternal perspective on trials, we will not. We will head for the heels every time. How many of you have gone through a trial and your thought process is, "I'm gonna get out. I'm leaving. I'm I'm heading for the hills. This is tough. It's not fair, and I'm 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 out." That's, and that's human. That's our human nature, right? We're heading through financial troubles. Uh, uh, any kind of troubles that you can think of, our desire is, I'm, I, that's, I'm throwing up my hands and I'm, I'm, heading, I'm heading the opposite direction. That is what happens when we do not have a biblical understanding of trials. Okay, Romans 8, we're right there, so somebody should be able to grab it easy. Romans 8, 28. What does this say? Very, very familiar verse. We're going to get there in several months. <laughs> Hopefully. Okay. So when we read that, we understand all things work together for good. That doesn't, when the word is all, it's not only referring to pleasant things. It's saying all things work together for good. To them that love God. Alright? So, God uses every aspect of our life sovereignly to arrange uh, for a, a good outcome. And you say, well, how can that be? Well, would you say that the crucifixion of Christ was a good thing? Pleasant thing? A right thing? Something that was just? Was Jesus Christ? crucifixion just were they just in crucifying him was that a righteous act on their part no but he took a sinful action of murdering god's son and made it to right or made it a good made it for a good outcome okay that's the understanding we have here and so when we have a biblical or eternal perspective that all things will work together for good that helps us deal with the hard times, okay? Yep, and that's what Paul's going to talk about here, okay? So as he goes, knowing, okay, having that eternal perspective that tribulations brings about what? Perseverance, okay? Brings about perseverance, what do we like about perseverance? Nothing. <laughs> right? How many of you enjoy the word perseverance? No, we don't like the word perseverance. Okay? I, another way you could say it is patient waiting. That is not something that humans are good at. Patient waiting. Perseverance. We've already talked about this. That 
perseverance is not a part of the human nature. We want to run for the heels when hard times come. We want to, we want to eliminate it from our lives. And patient waiting, perseverance to the end, uh, and understanding you cannot have that perseverance to the end without a biblical perspective. You can't. It's not possible to have the perseverance that Paul is talking about here without knowing God and knowing that biblical perspective of that all things work together and that God is in control. And He doesn't promise us easy times as believers. He promises, he promises that we will go through trials but he also promises that we, we will be delivered because of him. Remember in John, it talks about he has overcome the world. Okay, very important uh, thoughts there. Okay, so perseverance, having the stick to it, that I am going to stick it out no matter what this trial is. Okay, and, and I'm not going to just bail. I'm going to wait and see what God has for me. Okay, the next one here um, in verse number four, perseverance um, and proven character. Okay, proven character. Uh, another way you can say it is someone that has passed the test. Okay, when we go through trials, it proves our character to who we really are. Who we really are. It tests our character. And our character is based on God or our character is based upon humanity and how humanity would want to act in uh, the, the, the persecution situation. All right? And so it proves our character. It shows that we have a reliance on our God and not on ourselves. And we can pass that test. And so when it talks about exalting in our tribulations, it's because it is for our good. It proves us. It grows us. It gives us understanding of who God is. It enriches our lives to the point uh, where we love God all the more. If we never went through trials in our lives, we would never truly love God the way we should. Because we don't see the need, right? Why, why is it said that rich people often have a hard time understanding this? Because they have everything you would think that they want. They don't lack in anything. If they want it, they can buy it, right? If, if they'll buy anything that they want, but they can't buy what? What's the one thing they can't buy? They can't buy happiness, joy, peace. They can't buy hope, true biblical hope, right? They can have everything, but they can't have that. And so going through trials is a part of the believer's life, and it's a part of our testing, it's a part of our growing, but it's a part of why God has built it in to push us to Him, and our need for Him, and our desire for Him. If everything was easy, we lived on easy street all the time, we would never 
fall to our knees and pray and say, Lord, please help a wretched sinner as I am. Look at what happened to our churches. Most of you would probably remember this when we watched the towers fall on 9-11. What happened the several weeks after that? The churches were flooded with people. All churches. And it doesn't matter what religion. I mean, Catholic churches, Christian church, every church. Flooded to the churches because of fear and oh man, I need to get right with God because this kind of traumatic thing has happened in my life. But then it slowly went back to America's okay. We rebuilt, we're okay, life's okay, and we suddenly forget God. And so without these tribulations, we should be excited for them because it reminds us of our need for God, our need for Him. And this is a benefit, though you might not think so, (laughs) it is a benefit of being justified, of being a believer, that we have trials that we can go through. What is the difference between a believer going through trials and an unbeliever going through trials? We have Christ, they don't. That's a big difference. I often say I don't know how the world deals with traumatic experiences without God. I don't know how. I don't know how people can deal with such traumatic things as the loss of a child or or illnesses or deaths that are traumatic in nature or... um, name so many different traumatic situations how they deal with it without god is is unbelievable and most of them don't they don't they they're they they deal with it in many different ways and uh, that's why suicides on a high rate and that's why alcoholism is on in and and high uh you know we see high rates of alcoholism and drugs and all of that because they can't deal with what's going on. I am not doing well on time. I'm trying here, all right? All right, so let me see. Where um, proven care? And then hope, okay? Hope. Hope is given to us. That is the last one. This uh, strengthens our hope in God, as I just talked about. Okay, it proves our it's a, it proves our character. It gives us perseverance, and it ultimately strengthens our hope in God. Just write this verse down. We won't read it. Psalms uh, forty three verse five. Psalms forty three verse five strengthens our hope in God. Hope does not disappoint, okay? The way you could read that, uh, your, net, your point down there, it says God does not disappoint. The same, the, the, the two are synonymous with each other, okay? Hope doesn't disappoint. God does not disappoint. Our hope in God will never disappoint or let you down. Romans 15, 13. You write that down there, Romans 15 and verse 13, okay? And then there's two more benefits that are given to us, okay? Hope does not disappoint. God does not disappoint. And then it says, because of His love, God gives His love. 
We have peace with him. We have access to him. We have hope in him. And we have his love poured out within our hearts. This idea of poured out is like Niagara Falls, all right? Think of Niagara Falls pouring out upon you. It, 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 the love of God, the, 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 I love the song, it's called the love of God, okay? If we were to write the love of God on the, uh, in the sky, if the sky was a scroll, we would run out of ink. And we couldn't stretch the skies with the love of God. And that is poured out upon our hearts as another benefit of being justified. We have His love. We not only have peace with Him, God gives His love to you and I. Oh, what, a, what an amazing, unbelievable thought that we have the love of God. And again, just write these verses down. Romans 8 verse 5, Galatians 2 and verse 20, Ephesians 2 and 4 and 5, verses 4 and 5. All of these talk about his love for us. And then lastly, the fifth thing that Paul mentions as a benefit of a believer or a benefit of being justified is we are given the Spirit of God. Okay? Through the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Okay, we've been talking about this as if you've been coming to the Acts um, Bible study on Wednesday, but Acts 2 and verse 38. Acts 2, 38. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 19. And Titus 3, 5 and 6. All talk about... And there's many places where the Spirit of God is talked about given to us. All right, and just as a reminder at the bottom there, the five benefits are we have the peace, we have peace with God, we have access to God, we have hope in God, we have the love of God, and we have the Holy Spirit of God. If that doesn't give you reasons to shout and say amen, Come talk to me and we'll talk about your salvation, all right? Because there's a doubt there. So next week we'll, we'll get into verses 6 and following. But I hope that this lesson was encouraging today. If you are going through hard times and you are a believer, understand, go back and look at the material here and go back and understand it is promised to you that you will. But it is also promised that it will remind us of who we serve and who our God is and that our hope is not in us. Our hope is in the Lord. Amen? We have like three minutes. Any other comments or thoughts? I did it. I'm very surprised. I did it. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, we don't. I, I, it, and I'm, I struggle because I, I get involved in politics and, I, and I, I, I get into it. But, you know, at the end of the day, God's in control and we have nothing to fear. Do you realize that if you're fearful, you're. What, what, what would be said about you if you're fearful? Continually living in a state of fear is 
what? And that would be, yeah. Yeah. So if you're completely terrified and fearful of Kamala Harris, <laughs> I understand. But uh, we need to trust in God. And God puts into power who he wills, right? And I'm not going to get political. We don't know who actually has won, but that's all I'm going to say there, okay? Uh, but if it comes down and, and it is Biden and uh, Kamala, it's okay. God is still on the throne. He's not up there wondering, oh, what am I going to do with her? <laughs> what am I going to do with him? Okay? Our hope is in who? Christ. Okay? All right. Lord, thank you so much that we have Scripture to turn to and that we're going through uh, what some would say uh, a hard time even with our election. Lord, we have you to turn to. We have you to hope in. And regardless of who's in the White House, uh, you are on the eternal throne. And you are the one that is in control. And Lord, we thank you for that. And no matter what's going on in our personal lives, you are in control. And our hope and our perseverance and our steadfastness and our ability to get through it is all based upon you and you alone. And Lord, we thank you for that. In your name, amen. Thank you, class.